Today's podcast is brought to you by nobody, because we don't have any sponsors. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of Our Wives Are Friends. I'm here with my co-host, Tyler. What's up? And we also have Mark joining us again. We're back in the studio. We are in the studio. Yeah, we got Mark back with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be back. <clears throat> We're taking advantage of you being here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I think today we are going to go, uh, I think what we want to talk about it's is- It's be a little different. Yeah, it's going to be a little different today than what we normally do. Uh, I think we're going to kind of explore some true crime. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know all you love true crime stories. That's like the biggest podcast thing, right? It's like true crime stories. I know I'm a big fan. I don't know about you guys. That's kind of what got me into podcasting a lot of like, other than like football related podcasts. It's like, you always want to hear the true crime, like you the s- weird stories. You see, and I hate watching documentaries on true crime, which is not going to play into the podcast <laughs> or helping. But what I love is when we talk about them, if that makes sense. When you're like your reaction, there, the reaction of it. Yeah, when you're sitting there with friends and you're like, "Do you hear about this?" Yeah, and it's almost like when you were a kid telling ghost stories, you know. But now, as an adult, you do it with true crime, if that makes sense. Yeah, the the best part is, I mean, not the best part. The best and worst part is it's a true story that happened. Yeah, because true crime, it's not made up crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, this was fiction. Yeah. <laughs> We're There's saving di- that for next week. Dis- yeah, we're disclaimer. We're doing the fiction crime next episode. I would be down for that. <laughs> I'm not writing a story. <laughs> Just go on creepy pasta and find. <laughs> so why don't uh? <laughs> well, I, we each kind of got tasked with let's just let's each come up with a story or two that we want to share. I know mine's kind of long, um, but I and but. I'd like you to start, Eric. I'd like you to open it up with your story. So give us, if there's a title of it, give us the title and then do a quick, like, you know, I don't know. You Let me put it in your hands. You okay. go with, roll with it how you want to roll. I've created a quick synopsis of the story for time's sake, you know, try to get straight to the point a little bit so I could tell the story and then we could talk about it for a little bit. Okay. Um, before I start, though, I am going to have to give a little bit of credit to another podcast out there, because that's where I first heard this story. Yep. Uh, Sword and Scale. I don't know if you guys ever listened to that, but uh, I'm a huge fan. They did a really good job covering this story, but I'm going to uh, mention mention the story that I've heard on there. So This one's called Mark Redwine. Okay. No relation Mark, yeah, to me. No relation. <laughs> like, Mark, yeah. It's probably spelled different. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> What'd you guys set me up for? Damn. <laughs> hey, you want some red wine? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. let's get into it. Here's here's the story in a nutshell. Um, so there's a family, you know, husband and wife, and they had two kids. I think one kid was about seven or eight years older than the other kid. I think he's about seven years older. Um, anyways, the, the husband and wife split up, but 
they still had a court-ordered visitation for the younger son. So you guys following me here? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the younger son, I don't know how old he was, but he had a court or, court-ordered visitation with his father still. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, there was a Thanksgiving coming up, and the son really did not want to go see his father. And But it was a court-ordered thing. He couldn't not go. So, anyways, how the story goes is uh, the son gets on a plane and goes and visits his father, who lives in Colorado. Hey, okay. <laughs> There's is another this, similar remark. Is there something, is there something <laughs> you need to tell us? <laughs> oh. um, and so... When the son gets there, <clears throat> he ends up going missing within 24 hours of being in Colorado. The ex-wife gets a text from, you know, the ex-husband at like 24 hours later and says, hey, do you know where our son is? And she's like, what do you mean? He's with you. He's visiting you. How do you not know where he's at? I'm going to go back into history now. So now you guys know he's missing, right? Mm-hmm. Within 24 hours of going to see his father, who lives in like a cabin up in the mountains did, somewhere. Did the dad ever pick him up from the airport or did yeah. he go missing? Yeah, no. Uh, the mom got a text from the son, you know, when he was picked up from his father at the airport. Gotcha. Okay. The last time he's been heard of, you know, he got picked up from the father at the airport. <clears throat> As it turns out, Going back a few years, you know, the reason why he didn't want to go see his dad is because him and his brother had found a laptop a few years back. Oh, no. And they found some pictures. Mm-hmm. So they were looking at these pictures, and uh, they first uh, pull up some pictures, and it's just just pictures of the their father dressed in, like, women's bras and stuff like that and women's panties. So it was a, the story of the Jenners? yeah (laughs) and uh so okay they they keep they keep going through the laptop and uh pictures start getting a little little dicier the the next picture they find you know it's uh their dad wearing a poopy diaper he's wearing a diaper you can see by the (laughs) you can't you can't nobody can see right now but i'm just cringing um you can see the dad, he's wearing a diaper, and you can see, like, the poop coming out of it. So, he's uh, he's defecated in this diaper that he's wearing, and he took a picture of it. It's on his laptop. And um, then the pictures keep getting worse. Uh, as they continue to see, the next picture, the dad is wearing that shitty diaper that he was pictured in the last picture. He's wearing it over his head. With poop smeared all over his face and in his beard, <laughs> I uh, I googled this and sent picture uh, to Tyler the other day, and I forgot what time it was. It was right about dinner time. He's like, "Bro, I'm eating dinner right now." <laughs> I was had food in my mouth, and you sent me these pictures. You are now on a watch list, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so. You can you can Google his name Mark Redwine when you have is that, the time. Is that what if you you're did? Listening along. What was your search? I want to know what your search was that when you. That, I googled his name after I listened to the episode. Okay, I'm yeah. just hoping you didn't type in like man wearing sh- poopy diaper and then rubbing it on his face. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't that the, one. That wasn't the search. To that find. one will put you on the watch list. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a guaranteed watch list thing. <laughs> and uh, you know, at this point, I'm like, man, I can't. 
I don't blame the son. I wouldn't want to freaking go see him either. Like, what the hell? Did you imagine? No, I don't. Yeah, yeah no. You can't look at your dad the same I'd, after seeing I'd, some pictures like that. Yeah, and I'd call some him out, kind dude. of poopy diaper fetish. And if, um, Here's the thing. If I would have, like, the years back when you first found him, I would have, like, emailed that out to, like, every family member. Yeah. And my mom and everything. Yeah. Like, I would have just went, sent it off. you imagine sending Christmas cards to everybody, like... You know how that'd be the cover? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would have, like, nipped this in the butt, like, way back then, you know? Yeah. So I would have sent it to the judge that did the divorce. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I I'm never not, have to go back. You're like, I'm yeah. not fucking going, and this is why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this is actually a pretty sad story. So after the boy had been missing for a while, I guess eventually the parents and um, the brother went on the Dr. Phil show. And uh, during the episode, it kind of became apparent that you know, the, during the questioning and, and everything on the episode, it kind of became apparent that the dad knew something. Definitely had something to do with this kid disappearing. Yeah. Like the mannerisms and things. Yeah. And I think he was um, asked to take a polygraph test. And at first he said he would do it. Then he said, no, it's not the right time. And then. There's never know, a right time to take a yeah, polygraph. Exactly. Yeah. So as like kind of the stories getting kind of picked apart, you know, people who are watching the show are just kind of like. So let cringing. me put a gun in my mouth first, and then I'll just cringing. Like you know, the dad has something to do with it. Like he yeah. needs to be investigated. Um, Terrible man. Terrible. So, anyways, um, eventually, down the road, the boys, uh, some of the boys' body parts were discovered. You know, in close proximity to his dad's house, and um, after they did an investigation in the dad's house. They revealed like there was a significant amount of his son's blood, and you know the luminol testing, and so eventually the dad was arrested and charged with the murder. How do you go from? I have a weird fetish where I like to wear diapers. To I'm gonna kill my fucking kid. Like where does that go? Well, I think if you have that fetish where you're wearing poopy diapers and smearing that all over your face, like I think there's something not right. Yeah, but how does it go to murder? That's what I don't get. You know what how, I mean? <laughs> You know, I feel like there's not like a far jump there. I don't. I don't because think so either. I, feel, I think. I feel like if you were to ask me, would you kill this person or rub shit on your face? I'd probably kill the person before I rub shit on my face. I well, don't know. Maybe I'm wrong for the, that. His but. was the other way around, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's my thing: is I think someone that obviously commits a murder, especially with their own son, is really deranged. And uh, someone think- who's wearing poopy diapers on their head and smearing poop in their beard. Do you think the son tried to do what I pretty much said, and he would like, like to out him? I don't know. I don't. I don't have enough inside information, you know. Obviously, but yeah, but we it can makes speculate, sense. right? You I can mean, speculate that you know maybe he was called out about it. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna send these. I found these pictures. So I'm gonna send them to mom because I don't want to be here. Yeah, like fuck you, man. Like, yeah. I found these pictures. I'm gonna out you so I never have to come back. And he's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Yeah, like he just kills the son. Wouldn't you do that before you got there? You know, like say, hey, I'm not going. But maybe this is why I'm not going. Yeah, but yeah. who's gonna believe that with a kid? Like you'd have to have solid evidence. You can't just be like, Dad likes to wear diapers. I saw pictures. Be like, oh, shut up, kid. <laughs> like, yeah. would you believe? But he found the pictures on the laptop, so I think there was solid evidence. But right, but he doesn't have the evidence to show his mom wherever he was flying from. Yeah, maybe he was caught like trying to find that evidence, trying to get to on the laptop and find those pictures. So it was like his phone, right? Mm-hmm. He was gonna text his mom. I think the older brother had taken pictures when they discovered it. Well, you and I think the younger brother asked him for the pictures at some point. 
Well, maybe, so maybe there either, was some either kind way, of confrontation. Maybe he got the know. pictures and was like, Dad, what the hell's up with these? Yeah, so terrible story. You know, I hate seeing things like that happen or hearing about those things. But, God, what a fucked up thing. What was his name? Mark Redwine. Mark Redwine. So if anyone wants to ruin their appetite right now. Go, like, go to Google. Yeah, Google Images. Go to private search. I mean, I'm going to go to private search, I think. Or use somebody else's phone. Or you could also Google man with poopy diaper on his head. (laughs) See see what comes up. Don't do that. I don't don't know if there's a community out there for that or what, but... uh, I hope there's not. Like a furry community, but with like people wearing shit diapers? Yeah. I don't want to know if it is, but I'm sure sure it's out there. Please don't send any messages to our (laughs) socials of these communities. Also, Huggies, we are not looking for sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Pampers, we are not looking for sponsors. No, it would be Depends. Yeah. <laughs> depends, we are not looking for sponsors at this moment. So, Tyler if- had tasked us with finding a story to bring to the table. And um, that was your story. That was the story. What do you. <laughs> oh. What's, what's, what's the consensus on this? Because, like, what's your opinion? I don't know. Like, so what. So he was. Convicted, right? Yeah. Is he is he still alive? I think so. Yeah. In prison, I think so. Yeah. When did this happen? Um, I don't know the time frame. I think maybe last ten years, five years. Hmm. Probably, it, I think the last ten years or so. Did they ever find like any remains or what happened to the kid? Like they did how, find what, remains. They said they found like body parts close in proximity. They to found the remains. House. You know. I guess in this campsite rural kind of mountain area, but they found like a skull here. And then six miles later, they found leg part or, you know, a femur. And so it was really spread out. And they did some investigation that, you know, it wasn't caused by an animal coming in and moving these parts. Like somebody deliberately was spacing things out. Yeah. And then I guess um, they were able to. Determined by, I think, the skull that was, like, blunt force trauma that caused the death. And then they found, I guess, the blood spots in the dad's house. That's what's scary, man, is a lot of these, like, child murders, like, majority of the percentage of it is the parents. Yeah, it's sickening. It makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. It's so, like, disturbing. I don't know. I don't think I could never. Like, that thought, I would never. I don't care how mad, how frustrated, how whatever. I could do. I I could never do that. I don't know. Yeah, it's got to take somebody wired <clears throat> completely differently. And no, I mean the worst part was the dad was just really adamant about him coming to visit for this Thanksgiving. You know, just like wouldn't let up on it. Just like was very determined for him to come that year. Maybe he knew. I don't know. Like, what's the, there's got to be. He had to like had a plan. Yeah, there's got to be like a know? like a motivation to do it, right? Like, yeah. Like, I want to know what that motivation was of... Either that, or maybe he called him out on it, you know, and, uh, you know, it just kind of angered him or triggered him in, in the moment. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've never really researched that part of the story. If I'm... If if my older... If I say if I had an older brother, and he took these screenshots from this computer that we found years ago, and he had those pictures, the first thing I'm doing is fucking ratting them out. I'm going to my mom being like, Dad's a fucking nut job. Look yeah. at these. Do you know about this? Is this why you divorced him? Yeah. Like, that's the first thing I'm doing, because that, to me, is, like, the weirdest shit. I found pictures of my dad, 
in like women's clothes and then pictures of him wearing a diaper where he's shitting himself, I'm definitely bringing that up to my mom. That's just me. Yeah. I don't know if I can keep that a secret. I'm not going to go to him and be like, hey, dad, and, it and, runs in the family. <laughs> Look at my pictures. <laughs> and by the pictures, you know, they're able to say that basically he enjoyed his own feces on his face because there's a picture of him wearing the diaper, you know, where he had pooped in it. Dude. <laughs> I'm sending some fucked up shit while you're eating. Like next time, yeah. We're all I think Tyler's uh, literally responses, bro. I'm eating right now. What the fuck? <laughs> Hold on, I got it. I just pulled it up. I said, bro, I'm literally eating. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you got it right. But yeah, no, he just sent like a screenshot of like the Google search of just like crap all over this guy's face. <laughs> and the dude did not look like a pleasant guy. To be honest, so I, he kind of looks. He like kind of looks Frank like a Gallagher. guy that he looks like a guy that would have shit on his face. So. And he's licking the shit. You forgot to mention that part in the picture. He's not only has it on his face, but his tongue is out like he licks it. Yeah. And it's it's sludged on there, you know. He's like, I don't remember having any corn. <laughs> when was the last time I ate corn? I don't know. That's gross. So that's your story. The shit monster. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Mark from Colorado. <laughs> We're not even using the last days. Mark from Colorado. <laughs> All right. Mark from Colorado. What do you got for us? <laughs> I don't even know how we segue to this now. I, mean, how I... Oh, I, I apparently researched the wrong type of uh, killers here. No, I think, I, I think he researched the wrong kind. <laughs> uh, so mine is a lot different. Um, Mine's not so... even a killer. Yeah. <laughs> so. Go ahead. If you enjoyed that last segment, mine's probably a lot different. You might not enjoy it as much. But I'm doing mine on a killer, a serial killer, who actually had a whole city playing jazz music at 12.15 at night. And I don't know if this sounds familiar, familiar to certain people, especially if you watch like American Horror Story, because they loosely tied into this. But he's an OG axe killer. You know, you always hear about axe killers. You know, it's like, I don't know why that's like a thing. Like, if I'm going to kill somebody, it's probably not going to be with an axe. You know, it doesn't seem efficient. But How he, would you? What's the, What would be your efficiency? Oh, man. Of, I mean, nowadays we have technology. I'd use a gun or something, you know? Like, well, they had guns then. Yeah, I know, but. Oh, well, I thought you. I thought the question was if he killed someone with an axe, how, how would no, he? What no, weapons, just, what would be his most, in his mind, the most efficient way to be a sewer killer? Or, like, what weapon you'd use. Because, obviously, you said an axe isn't the most efficient way. Yeah. It, I, I, do the old, uh, you know, just, icicle one where you kill and the evidence melts well, away. Let me get into the story <laughs> a little bit, and you'll understand why okay, axe okay, okay. murderers aren't the most efficient way. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead. So, this is about the axe man of New Orleans. And this happened back in the early 1900s, right? So, it's, like, 1917, 1920-ish. Okay. So, it's, like, over, like, two-ish years. And... It was a guy who was going around killing people in their own homes with an axe. And every story talks about how it was like their own axes. And I'm like, who just has axes laying around that you can easily find? I remember watching, like, the, I know what you're talking about with American Horror Story now. Yeah. yeah I remember them tying kind of into this. So, and it was like 12 suspects that he hit with axes. And I say hit because he didn't kill a lot of them. A lot of them, like, he left with an axe in their head, and they survived somehow. So that's why I said it's not, like, a very efficient way of doing this. And back then, the doctors were like, looks like you have tuberculosis. 
(laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so some of the people actually survived. And then when they did surgery to, like, try to correct, like, facial, like, paralyzation, they died during that. Mm. And so that that kind of sucks. Can you imagine right. surviving yeah. a ser- serial killer to die like six die months on later? This, yeah, the operating table. Yeah, and uh, he didn't just use axes. Sometimes he'd like start with axes, and then he had straight razors, or he would hit people with like random blunt objects. So it was really weird. Sweeney Todd. Um, but the the reason I love this story is because it goes into like the folklore of you know killing, and they don't know who did it. And in the beginning, it was like. It was always like Italian grocery store owners, which is like that's weird. very specific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like who goes around targeting these type of types of people? Well, and so they thought it was it maybe was, mob connected. You said it was New Orleans, right? Yeah. I mean, do the French and the <laughs> do the well, French and Italians get along? Because uh, I mean, because New Orleans has a high French population in the early nineteen hundreds, especially back who then. Knows? I, I couldn't tell you a hundred years ago who got along. Or yeah, right. <laughs> what not. Um, and so they thought there were some mob ties to it because it was a lot of Italian people getting around or being the victims here. Um, but it's so weird just how it like grew. And then there was like surrounding areas that were having like axe victims and they were like, it's the same killer. And then later, you know, as like science develops, they're like, oh, some of these aren't connected. There was like copycat killers, like piggybacking off of it, and like, well, I don't like this person. I'm gonna kill him with an axe, and then that person will take the blame for it. Right. So it like grew into like several people killing people with an axe. And uh, but back to the jazz part, the part that ties into American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. So the the axe killer wrote a letter to the newspaper, and if you read this letter, it's so weird. He he talks about himself like he's not a human he he says like at twelve fifteen earth time i'm gonna go around killing people unless they're playing jazz music in their homes that's a new time zone that i don't think i've ever heard of yeah earth time, earth time. <laughs> yeah and he talks about like he's like i'm the worst killer this earth has ever seen even though i'm not one of you like it's very like weirdly worded like he almost thinks of himself as not human right um and so on that day, he talked about the whole city was playing jazz. And so every band, every home was playing jazz at 12, 15, all night. Uh, I mean, they were playing all night, you know, but through that 12, 15 window. And true to his word, nobody died because there was jazz everywhere, which is kind of like a weird thing. like Weird ransom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? He's like, that's all I've wanted is just to listen to jazz all night long. And uh, and then they go back and they're trying to figure out who did this. And there's like three or four main suspects. And then there are ties. Before I get into that, I'll, I'll start with the main suspect, uh, this guy, Joseph Mumphrey. And he ended up dying in L.A. He was killed by one of the survivor's uh, widows, which is kind of crazy. So they think he might have been like the axe killer trying to finish the job. They were so convinced Wait, one of the widows? So so he killed this guy. Yeah. And the widow later was attacked in her home in L.A. Oh, I in see. In Los Angeles. Okay, yeah. And she killed him. She oh, shot I the see. person. Okay. And they think it was him because they're both from Louisiana. Yeah. So they're like kind of like that tie to the axe murder at that point. Right. 
So they think he followed her out there to finish the job. Yeah. Because after he was dead, there were no more axe murders. Yeah. And so that's like one of the common like beliefs. But then there's also some ties to this guy who moved to Germany. And then there were axe murders out there. So they think it could have been he just moved out of the country, like fleeing, like if he thought it was close to being and caught. And then just continued the spree, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just kept doing it. And so it's, it's <clears throat> just so weird, and it's developed into like a folklore, folklore type thing where, you know, it's it's a legend bigger than itself. Yeah. And I always kind of love stories like that. Normally not on that's like, the killing side of yeah, things. Yeah, that's but, some like Jack the Ripper type shit, you know yeah. what I mean? Like... Like, oh, yeah, this guy just murdered people with axes. See, the the thing with going all the way to Los Angeles, I feel like then that would have been, like, with a serial killer like that, they don't usually focus on one person. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that dude had to have been a copycat or was super into that chick and, like, a creep. Yeah. yeah. Followed her out there. She said, like, no, and he killed mm-hmm. her. I tried to kill her mm-hmm. or something, and she ended up killing him. But <clears throat> I think what's interesting about those stories too, it's like an, it's still an open story. Like there's no there's no ending. No one knows who the exact killer was, you know, and probably never will. That's the creepy stuff to me. Like the unsolved stuff. Yeah, because they're still at large. Or I don't know. Yeah, and it's as I was like looking up different stories, I saw some other ones from around the same time period, and it was crazy to me like how they solved murders back. And it was so weird because sometimes it was like, oh, well, this person died here and a mile away, this person, they found blood on their fence. So we think they're the prime suspect. And I'm like, there's no like matching blood, no well, that, yeah, DNA. That, well, it could have been just been like that person <coughs> hopped this person, these people's fence. Yeah. Like, oh, they're the murderers. It could have been something completely unrelated, yeah. you know, like I cut myself outside doing yard work and I got blood on my fence or whatever, you know, a minor bit. And that's how they like tied together a lot of these crimes back then. So it, it made me start to wonder like how many people <clears throat> were accused of murder that like weren't actually guilty of it. Well, it's crazy to think back then too, how many people committed murders and got away with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both sides of it. Yeah. Like how many, yeah. actually, like there may have been a ton of serial killers. They just yeah. didn't have a definition of it. And because you were able to get away with it. Can you imagine, too, before DNA evidence, like, <clears throat> you don't have a solid alibi. You know, you're just like, yeah, I was, I was working, I was literally working my garage last night, you know? Like, yeah. That's all I got for you, you know? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Or I got home from work and I stayed at my house all night. I was nothing uh, to do on a Tuesday in yeah. 1900. <laughs> you know, like, I was milking my cows. Yeah, like, <laughs> the cow can vouch for me. <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy. Dude. No, that was a good one. Yeah, what trips me out is like he just left a lot of them alive. Yeah. There was several victims and like it's this is what's sad about one of the stories. He killed the the two year old daughter, but both parents survived with axe wounds. And it, it's like stuff like that where he like a lot of his victims ended up surviving. Yeah. Um and the other thing he would do is like leave axes in people's backyards. And, like, sometimes it was of his victims, sometimes it wasn't. And so they think some of the people, like, they were planning them themselves for attention or whatnot. And that just adds a whole nother layer because you're like, what type of person would, like, there's a serial killer going around and you're planting an axe in your backyard, you know? Like, just randomly in a tree and being like, 
oh, look, he's targeting me. You know, like, who brings that type of attention to themselves? Yeah. Did it say how many victims they estimate he had? Twelve. Twelve. And then there's a bunch more that are like, like they went back and unlinked. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, back then, I mean, sure, why not? I mean, there's no cameras, there's no nothing, I mean. Well, too, if one of the theories is true, if he went back to Germany and just kept doing his thing, you know. Yeah. Twelve could have been, like, double that or more. Yeah, more for sure. Because I don't think, I definitely don't think it was the guy that went to L.A. This doesn't sound like the M.O. of a serial killer. Yeah, I think that was a copycat. To track down one person? Yeah. No. I think that guy who died probably knew what was going on, you know, and was like, well, I can go kill. I love this girl. I can go kill her husband. And if it it was, yeah, and and if it was because, like, she saw his face and got away, well, she already, she's across the country. Yeah. And it's so much, do you know how long it takes to get across the country back then? Yeah. Like, she wasn't talking. Yeah. <laughs> it is, but it is also coincidental that the killing stopped after that. Yeah. Well, Maybe like it's said, just by coincidence. But, but it could have been the guy that went to Germany, too. So the killings would stop either way, right? In New Orleans. Yeah, and that's that's what's so crazy about this. Like, There's so many theories out there on what really happened. And watch it be none of these. You know, it's something yeah, completely, it's completely different. Uh, yeah. <sighs> you know, a lot of these stories, when they're telling the story, you start developing your opinion like, Oh, I think it was this relative, or I think it was the friend, or I think it was the boyfriend. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, some creepy guy in a van that was driving by at the right time at the right place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. All right. Um, Tyler, what do you got for us? So, speaking of American Horror Story, the person that created it. So, the reason I picked this one is because they're making a Netflix series on it. Okay. And it's the creator of American Horror Story, Ryan Murphy, that's doing this. Which have you guys seen Dahmer, the series Dahmer on Netflix? No, I I've seen yet. an episode. That's so pretty good. It's hard to watch, right? Like, it's kind of. I didn't hard. think it was as hard to watch. I thought it was pretty good. Just wait. It gets hard to watch. Oh, okay. But Ryan Murphy also created that, so he's he's kind of like become the persona of like horror type stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. But so he's making a series on this, and it's this happened relatively recently, and it's unsolved. So, um, there, it that always makes it creepier. Yeah. That someone's out there on the loose. Yeah. So this is called the watcher. And that's what the title, the title of the Netflix series is also going to be called as the watcher. So, um, anyone listening that wants to know more on it when it comes out, watch, watch the watcher. And there's been like a few podcasts on it and stuff. And <clears throat> I didn't even know about this until, uh, like some family members were talking about it. Excuse me, hold on. <clears throat> um, so basically, these people, these this family moved back to their s- a small town and bought their dream home. Uh, and then these letters started arriving into the mailbox. Uh, so let me do a little breakdown for you here. So one night, and uh, I'm just going to kind of read through it because I have like a, a outline okay. that I did. So one night in June 2014, it was the Broadus family. So the husband, Derek Broadus, just finished an evening of painting in their new home in New Jersey, that small town in New Jersey. He went outside to check the mail like any of us would, and there was a letter, uh, letter in the mail. Um, it said it was titled or addressed to the, the new owner. <clears throat> it said, and in it was typed. 
And this happened in 2017. Okay. I mean, so, so actually 14, but it went on for a while. So 2014 and it said, dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. And like, I mean, if you got a letter like that, you'd be like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's from a neighbor or something. Cool. Uh, thanks for welcoming me, I guess. Like you could have just came to my door, but it's kind of weird that you sent the letter, but, um, so this was their dream home. The wife, Maria, uh, was raised in this town. So then she moved away and then she's like, oh, that's a good place to raise my kids. So I wanna, we want to move back. And they bought like a, this house was like a six bedroom house. It was like their dream home. And, uh, so they moved back. Uh, they bought this house. They have three kids. Uh, and, but Derek, uh, but as he kept reading the letter from his new neighbor, it took a turn. So he got another letter. Uh, sorry, hold on. He, While you're figuring Yeah, no, no, no. So he got a new letter in the mail. Another letter arrived. Real quick, we'll go over this and then we can... I'm going to read this letter. It said, uh, 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades. Now... And ha- as as it approaches its 110th birthday, <clears throat> I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Now imagine getting that letter in the mail. What would you guys think? Like, what would you guys think? Like, we're all dads. I'd be creeped out. Yeah. Um. So, first of all, you said it was typed. Yeah. So not handwritten. Okay. So that. Oh my god. I think first of all, rookie mistake. If you really want to scare somebody, handwrite a letter. Yeah. Because I get typed mail, or you know. All the time you get emails. I get emails that have my first and last name on them that are spam, you know, where they know mm-hmm. so much information about you where you just <clears throat> delete them or whatever. But if somebody handwrites a letter with my first and last name and where I live saying they're watching me, I'm 10 times more creeped out than some printed thing, you know? 100%. Um, but you notice how they said it's like a dream home, six bedrooms. Mm-hmm. It's always some big, nice home or, you know. You never hear about an apartment where this stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's some nice old plantation style home. Like, you know? I've been watching an apartment to be. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, man. <laughs> it's like, it's my grandfather started watching the house in the 1920s. And then my father started watching it in the 60s. What are they watching for? Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, keep going. <clears throat> so, the, the author's reconnaissance. Uh, had apparently already begun. Obviously, he started watching the house because he's sending these letters, right? Uh, the letter identified the Broadus' Honda minivan as well as the workers renovating the home. Uh, he says, I already see... I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. The person wrote, Tisk tisk, bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Like, almost as if the house is alive, right? That kind of seems weird. 
earlier in the week, uh, Derek and Maria, the husband and wife, had gone to the house and chatted with their new neighbors while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10, ran around the backyard with several of the neighborhood kids. The letter writer seemed to have noticed, you have children, I have seen them. So far, I think they are, there are three that I have counted, uh, the anonymous correspondent wrote, before asking if there were more on the way. Dude, I'd be like, let's fucking move. Like, let's get out of this town. Like, yeah. if, if someone's trying to intimidate us to leave, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, guys, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, the envelope had no return address. Uh, who am I? The person wrote. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am one. I am, I am in one of those. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out at many of the windows. Sorry. Maybe I'm in one. Look out at any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by every day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in a cursive font, The Watcher. I feel like this should have been disclosed when you went to go buy this house and the realtors, like, you know, when you go to a house and they're like, oh, there's been a death here. She'd be like, there's a watcher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That feels like some weird shit where they should have disclosed that. Oh, by the way, I know it's a six bedroom house. It's got this many bathrooms. There's also a watcher. So if you guys are interested in this place. Uh, Could you imagine getting the disclosure like right after you sign docs? Like. Okay, yeah, the house is yours. By the way, <laughs> now that you've signed, uh, there's a watcher. There's a watcher. <laughs> wait, 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 can you go back a second? What do you mean, watcher? Like, can I unsign what I just signed, dude? <laughs> so, so after that, let me. Yep, the watcher. Okay, so here's another segment. It was after 10 p.m. and Derek Broadus was alone. He raced around the house, turning off all the lights so nobody could see inside. Then called the Westfield Police Department. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> that was the that was the police's statement. The police officer's statement. What the fuck is this? He asked Derek if he had any enemies, and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the watcher tried to toss it through a window. So, like, I don't know. It seems like maybe he had some, like, bricks laying outside. They were working on a wall or something. And maybe we should move these because somebody could use this to break into your house. Uh, Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were living at their old home still because they were renovating, right? They saw the construction stuff going on in this. So uh, they were come to visit and check on stuff and uh, at the time. <clears throat> who were living at their old home. And uh, that night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to... John and Andrea Woods, the couple who sold them the house, so the previous owners of 567 Boulevard, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why he or she had written. Uh, I asked, he said, I asked the Woods to bring me young, young blood. Wait. She had written, I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. Uh, okay. So that, that was part of the letter, is I asked the Woods to bring me young blood because they were younger. The people moving in were younger than the previous owners. That's just weird to me. Young blood. Why would the, the watcher quote unquote talk like that? He's almost like he's talking like an old English. Bring me the young blood. 
So creepy. Like satanic, maybe. You know, it's kind of weird. Uh, so it continues here. The watcher says, was your old house... Because he just kept getting letters, you know what I mean? So was your was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. What? Could you imagine, like, you you have a newish house. Yeah. Could you imagine you move into this place, and all of a sudden you start getting letters? And, like, some of these are like this, and you're like, what, what would you do? I'd probably move. <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I'm not, like, easily spooked type of thing, but it's also, like, when uh, my kid's safety is anything involved with something like that, I'm erring on the side of caution 10 times out of 10. Yeah, like, my, I mean, my kid's safety is, like, number one, dude. I'm, I'm going to protect that, my kid. I mean, at, at the very least, I'm putting up cameras everywhere. Yeah. Especially at the mailbox. I'm and, seeing who's leaving these, you Yeah, know? and I'm sleeping with one eye open, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm up at weird hours of the night, you know, patrolling my own house. Yeah, me and my wife are taking shifts on, like, who's staying up with guns, you know. So it turns out that the Woodses, before, right as they were moving out, they received a letter from the watcher. Yeah. Uh, the note had been, she said the note was odd. And it made similar mention of the Watcher's family observing the house over these many years. <clears throat> but they said, her and her husband said, that they the entire 23 years that they've been living at this house, they never received a letter. Until they moved out. Until they moved out. And they received that letter, and then the new family came in, and they kept getting these letters pumped out, you know? So they said, the tw- we, 23 years in the house, and uh, they had ne- yeah, they never received anything like it in their 23 years in the house. And had thrown away the letter without much thought. Like, they got this weird letter when they were moving out. Like, okay, the fucking weirdo, we're gone anyway. Yeah. They kind of tossed the letter, didn't think anything of it. And uh, so that day, the Woodses sent, went with Maria to the police station where, the, where de- the detective told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met and all of whom were now suspects. Uh, and think about it. This is, like, not that long ago. So this is going on in 2014. I mean, what were we doing? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, not, not it's that really long. not that long ago. I mean, it's not like it's like Marx where it was like, oh, 20, the 1920s, yeah. people are receiving these letters. No, dude, it's like right around the corner. Yeah. Where was this at? Like state? New Jersey. New Jersey? Yeah. You think this would have been like national news? That's why. That's Just based of... off of the letters. Yeah, dude. So uh, the Broadus has spent the coming weeks on high alert. Just as any normal parents would, like we'd be, I'd be paranoid in my own home. Uh, Derek canceled work trips. He uh, and whenever Maria took the kids to their new house, uh, she would yell, yell their, she would yell their names if they wandered around, like around any corners of the yard or something to, like keep in touch. You know, they don't wander off. Uh, when Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple. On the block, he froze when his wife said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. So you're giving, like, hey, neighbors come in, and they use the word young blood. Like, that would raise awareness to me. It'll, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. I'd be like, they're the watchers. Fucking <laughs> get them. They said the word. <clears throat> um, the Broadus's general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. I'm guessing kind of one of those, like, 
for sale, you know what I mean, where they put in a post and put up a sign or something, but maybe it was a, uh, you know, maybe that's part of the, I know like some contractors, like part of the agreement will give you a less reduced price if you let us advertise Yeah, mm-hmm. that we did the work type thing. I bet that's probably what it was, you know. Yeah. Uh, two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I would start ripping up the walls, man. Yeah. I just have construction guys out there already. I'm like, hey. I'd buy, I'd be at Harbor Freight buying a bunch of those little, uh, you know, like snake cameras. And I'd be mm-hmm. drilling holes in all my walls and sticking them down into it. Oh, no. I'd just be ripping out walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be undoing I everything can, they did. I can redo the drywall. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, this time, the watcher had addressed uh, Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their names. Uh, but he had, had the watcher been close enough to hear one of the Broadus' con- contractors addressing them, the watcher boasted of having learned a lot about the family in the preceding weeks, especially about their children. The letter identified the Broadus' three kids by birth, in order, and their nicknames. I don't know about you, but I can't understand, like, knowing the names, but then, like, knowing what the parents' nicknames for each kid was. That's creepy to me. Yeah. There's a lot of things like you can Google and find out birth dates and stuff and put a timeline together. Like name, like that stuff's like public record, but, but not personal nicknames. kind of nicknames. That means he's like, "Was he got the house bugged?" You know, that's weird, man. Um, uh, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. It said, "You certainly say their names often." The letter asked about one child in particular whom the writer had been using an easel inside an enclosed porch. Is the artist, is she the artist in the family? So he's watching enough to know like one of the kids or apparently one of the daughters was like, had an easel up painting on the porch. Like, that's just weird, man. Like I'd be like watching paranoid, watching every person that walked by, drove by. Yeah. Like I'd be like, Hey, you guys stay at our old house. I'm going to live here for like two weeks. Or something, you know, and I'm going to sit in this house with a gun and just watch out the window. Yeah, I'm um, now the watcher. <laughs> yeah, I am now the watcher. He's like, you know, doing the like from like, he's like, look at me. Look at me. I'm the watcher now. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I would be, dude. I'd be like in a rocking chair in a window. Like it's the freaking, uh, just with a gun, dude. Just watching, watching. I'd be so paranoid. <clears throat> the letter continued. Oh, shit. Like, I suddenly hit it. Let me go back to it. Well, what do you guys think about this so far, though? It's intriguing. I'm like, I'm trying to visualize all this as you're... It's hard, you're, right? Like, it's story. it's crazy. That's why this one's kind of long. That's why I kind of don't want to go last, because there's, like, a lot to it. Yeah. Because all these letters take time to read. Right. And a lot of this, I'm kind of like, I did, like, an outline, but a lot of it's just reading these letters, which are, like, kind of long. Yeah. And you kind of want the full aspect. Like, I don't want to skimp on the letters, because they're kind of weird. Yeah. So the letter continued... 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been many years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. So I'm assuming it's been a long time since there's been kids in the house. What is he's the watcher is trying to get at, right? Mm-hmm. 
Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young bug play in the basement? <laughs> Why would you ask that? Are the kids going to go in the basement? Because that's where I am. I don't know. Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you'd never hear them scream. Dude. I'm, if I hadn't moved out already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm staying. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it right back on the market. I'm flipping that bad boy because I just did yeah. all these renovations. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, and it's and it'll only be older couples wanted only. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, no, <laughs> no young kids. blood. I put it in the in the no young blood. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as they as soon as you move in. It will help me know who was in each, in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move throughout the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. But then the Woods say they never... They never received, received any letters. Letter? So what does he mean by, like, he asked them to? Because the only letter they got was, oh, thanks for the young blood." Yeah. And he kind of did, like, a sound like he did a, like, a, hey, I've been watching this house for my grandparents. Like, did that whole spiel. So, kind of weird. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job. So, see, exactly. I'd be sitting right up there in the attic watching whoever comes out. Because he says it's right there. I pass by many times a day. I'd just... Keep track of whoever goes by, and I keep seeing the same face over and over. I'm gonna go kill that guy, yeah, <laughs> or at least confront him. Yeah, I'm gonna go kill him with an axe, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna rub my shit on his face. I pass by many times a day. Six five seven Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession, and now you are too, the Bradis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought you, brought the past three families to Six Five Seven Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Dude. That's just... Dude, I don't know, man. By greed? Is it because it's a six-bedroom house? Or is it because he wishes he could buy the house and he's just a lonely dude? I'm assuming it's a guy. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you don't go knock on all your neighbor's doors like right around you. Just you feel everybody I mean? out. And just get, yeah. yeah, have a giant like block party. No, I'm I'm going first directly across the street, knocking on that door and just talking to the person. Well, that and everyone that you've had contract, or, you know, contact with the construction workers, you know, the even yeah. the person that sold you the house, the realtor, the mailman, the mailman, everybody. like anyone who has any kind of contact with your house, could be the mailman, dude, the whole time. Yeah. That's the mailman. He walks by multiple times every day. Yeah. Yeah. Up and down up the street. Up and down the least. street. What if we just solved this <clears> on air? <throat> we just solved it right now. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to call him. No, nobody thought it was the mailman. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> what idiots. <laughs> I'm just delivering the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved this house. I pass by it every day. <laughs> so uh, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house, which I would too. 
they were no longer sure of when or if they would move in, so they postponed it. Uh, several weeks later, a third letter arrived uh, saying, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. So he took note that they weren't showing up. Uh, let me scroll down this because some of it's kind of, kind of being weird. Just like these. So, built the it was built in 1905. Let's do a little background. So it was built in 1905. Uh, 657 Boulevard was perhaps the grandest home on the block, and when the Woodses put it on the market, they had received multiple offers uh, above their asking price that led the Broadduses to initially suspect that the watcher might be someone that was upset over losing out on the house. But the Woodses said no one interested, no one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical said one. Oh, sorry. I said that wrong. One interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis while another had already found a different home. So there wasn't somebody that they beat out. Right. Uh, so so that eliminates them. That that eliminates that. If we scenario. trust the Woodses, yes. yeah. At this I point, I'm starting. Not, yeah, I'm starting to not trust them. Right. Uh, in an email to the Broadduses, Andrea Woods uh, proposed another theory. Would the mention of the contractor trucks and your children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood? Which okay, we were already thinking of that. That's, I mean, that would be my first go-to, right? The letters did indicate proximity, though. They had been because they uh, they weren't postaged, right? It was just a letter, so that means somebody's coming and dropping it off. So maybe that postman theory was right. You know what I mean? Not a bad idea, right now. How sus- this doesn't look suspicious when a, po- a po- uh, postal worker walks up and puts mail in your mailbox. That's why I said I'm putting cameras at that mailbox. You know, I want to know who walks by my mailbox and messes with it. Yeah, they had been. Uh, well, no, it looks like it, they were post, like post addressed, because they said that the so they they were processed in Kearney, uh, uh, New Jersey, the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in North New Jersey. The first was postmarked June fourth, before the sale was public. The Woodses has had never put up a for sale sign, so the dude, the watcher, knew who bought the house before it was even public that they bought the house. Which makes me think either. Related to the Woodses or related to the real estate agent? The real, yeah, the real estate agent. Could it be someone at the title company? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, the, someone had inside information. Um, uh, the Woodses never put up a for sale sign, and only a day after the contractors arrived, the, the renovations were mostly interior, and people who lived nearby say that they didn't notice an unusual commotion. Even from the jackhammering in the basement, uh, when... When Derek and Maria walked detective, the detective around the house, they showed him that the easel on the porch was hidden from the street by vegetation. So when he references being able to see the daughter painting on an easel, he stood at the street level, like went down the street, you couldn't see it. So where's this guy watching from? What do you, I mean, like it had to be like, a, I don't know, dude. I'd be interested in kind of getting like a like a Google, Google map, map or, type or, thing, you know, see at least you? like I can see kind of what <clears throat> what vantage points or something. I'm have to pull up like uh, Google Earth right now and pull this address up, this house, and look at it because that's uh, making it difficult to see unless someone was behind the house 
were right next to the door. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner to the block. The Broadduses hadn't told anyone about the Watcher, as the police had instructed, and found themselves scanning the party for clues. So basically what we said we would do, right? Yeah. Instead, it was a the the neighborhood. There was two new uh, people moving in. The Broadduses and another family. So they were like, hey, let's have a little block party. Yeah. They invited everyone, them over to welcome the two new neighbors. And so they just spent the whole time like scanning everybody. Like, oh, very skeptical. Hey, I'm Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I would be too. Uh, while keeping tabs on their kids, who ran uh, guilelessly through a crowd that made up much of the suspect pool. Because then the police said everybody in the neighborhood's a suspect at this point, right? Yep. Uh, we kept screaming at them to stay close, Maria said. People must have thought we were crazy. At one point, Derek was chatting with a neighbor uh, who lived two doors down. And that neighbor told him about the Langfords who lived in between them. So like the middle house between these two people. Uh, Peggy Langford was in her 90s. And several of her adult children, all were in their 60s, lived with her. So like, that's kind of weird. That's weird, weird. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the family was a bit odd, uh, the neighbor said, but harmless. He described one of the younger... Uh, one of the younger Langfords, uh, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway. That's <laughs> so weird. That's kind of a, a Boo Radley character, I guess. It's kind of a throwback. Um, Derek thought the case was solved. The Langford house is right next door, next to the easel on the porch. Like you could see the easel from the that house. Uh, the family had lived there since the 60s. Around the time when the Watcher's father uh, said he started observing, uh, Richard Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier, and the current Watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. So it almost like it lines up, right? The dad, his dad started watching in the 60s, and then like died before he started watching, right? You know what I mean? Kind of seems like it lines up. When the, the Broadduses told the detective about the family, he said he already knew, and a week after the first letter arrived, he brought Michael Langford to the police uh, headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broadduses say that the detective told them that the narrative of what he said matched things mentioned in the letters. Uh, when his... He detective told later told the Broadduses, oh, the, yeah, the detective was like, this isn't CSI Westfield. <laughs> okay. Uh, they told the Broadduses, when the wife is dead, it's the husband type of shit, you know. Oh, it's just just the neighbors. They definitely did it. Um, but they they brought that, the dude in for questioning and asked and didn't see, like some of the stuff kind of lined up, but he's also been living there for sixty years, you know. All right. Uh. So he would know a lot about the neighborhood and the house anyway because he lived next door for, for 60 years. Yep. But there wasn't much hard evidence. At, and after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broadduses that short of an admission, there wasn't much the department could do. So basically this dude, like they, there was no like, oh, I guess we, there's nothing we can do. Um, And then 
there were another letter was received. The watcher was upset with by new money moving into town. Uh, the house is crying from all of the pain it's going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You're stealing its history. It cries for the past and was used to be in the time when I roamed its sick halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants here. The house was full of life and young blood. Then I got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day that he... Um, that he, sorry, I keep like, apparently I don't know how to use computers. Watching until the day he died, and now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. So, to me, it almost sounds like he used to live there. He said he refers to, like, I used to roam these halls. At least he's been in the house. Yeah, like maybe a friend of somebody who lived there yeah. or something, right? Well, let's kind of, we'll make this short. Um, I'll, I'll wrap it up kind of, but... Pretty much, basically, the the Broadduses were like, yeah, we're not fucking living here. Okay. And they brought renters. And then these letters started showing up still to these renters and started freaking out the renters. So the Broadduses were like, okay, well, I'll put cameras up everywhere. And so the letters still kept showing up and nothing on the cameras. And the renters were like, nah, fuck this. So they, were, they, had, they put a clause in the, uh, in the renter thing that if more letters showed up, they could opt out and take off yeah so basically that's what it came down to is like they're not even living in the house they're using it as a rental and these letters just keep showing up it's like weird shit yeah and nobody's been caught nobody's anything and it's 2022 and this all started in 2014 but there's no crime that's taking place either no it's just like a creepy stalker but I, I would still be paranoid like I would too but I think after I don't know I think after eight years, I think that maybe, well, maybe it's a hard bluff. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. I don't. I don't know if you I'd want to take the. It. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to take the chances of finding out, but you know, if there's no kind of crazy acts, you know, action that had been taken in eight years, not that I read about, I'd be like, um, okay, well, maybe nothing's gonna happen in the next eight years. Yeah, I'd been gone though. I'd been gone. I'd have sold the house and just not deal with it. So I was looking up updates if they sold the house. Yeah. And they ended up selling it. Oh, when? And in 2019, and they lost 400 grand. Selling <laughs> wow. So you know how we kept saying, I just move. Yeah, no, fuck. Yeah, they did. Maybe that's why they could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to buy a house that comes along with a stalker, you know? So yeah. you can't exactly ask market value for that. Let me let me go to the end here. Let me see what it, if they Be say. Be curious anything. if the new owners have received any letters. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I would just still be weirded out. Is it something like eventually you just learn to like accept? How you're saying like it's a hard bluff. You're just like, oh, here's our weekly letter. Yeah. You know, like, you know what do you do? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, think about it. If you've been in a place for five years, and aside from receiving these letters, nothing really weird. There were some. There's some theories though, like, uh, like the Broadduses were doing it themselves the whole time yeah to gain like public attention and like weird stuff like that and i don't know why if they still lost four hundred thousand dollars on the house yeah that'd be expensive attention grab i don't see that as plausible because that was some of the theories in the beginning right so before 2019 when they still owned it 
of oh well they were probably upside down they wanted national attention they uh they wanted to use it as like a publicity stunt to sell the house yeah but you know to flip it and they still ended up lost losing money so that didn't work out the woods got a letter before it was even sold though mm-hmm. so what did they do just go and start these letters on a home they were looking at buying but it was weird know? it was weird that the woodses didn't get the letter until they were moving out yeah so you know what i mean until right. like hey the broadest has bought the house yeah so i don't know it's kind of weird right like what do you do you guys have any theories I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't know. I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that they were maybe like doing it to themselves, you know. But also, I think that if uh, if they got letters before, like it was public knowledge that the sale happened, mm-hmm. it have to be someone that's involved with either like the financing or like the title company or the realtor, you know, because that's not just like public knowledge out there. Yeah. That's my theory. I I like the mailman theory too. So, unless they bugged the house at some point, you know, like what was in the walls? What they kept talking about? Yeah, maybe that's what they're. Maybe that's what he's referring to. Have you found what's in the walls yet? Yeah, bugs planted. Yeah, like there's, you know, secret cameras like those little pinhole ones. Well, it turns out like there. So, it says the watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters. Uh, last Christmas Eve, several families received an envelope in their mailboxes. They had been delivered by hand to the homes of the people who had been the most vocal in criticizing the, the Broadduses online after all this was going on. I got wrapped up and stuff. One of them who had lived a few blocks down on, on the boulevard had written on Facebook, I wish we would have would, could go back to the days of tar and feathers. I have just a couple in mind. So a lot of these people, like a lot of the neighbors think it was just the Broadduses bringing all this attention attention to them and scaring the neighborhood. Yeah. So like a lot of these, sounds like a lot of these neighbors were like, I want to tar and feather them and fuck these people. But there's no like confirmation that it was them. Um, And then they all, these all people that were super vocal started receiving like weird letters. <laughs> and uh, speculating, I wish we could tar and feather. I just have a couple of mine. Another family got... Who got the letter told me it was weirdly poetic as the watchers had been and that it accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Broadduses. It included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. The typed letters were signed friends of the Broaddus family. So it's almost like, these people, like only people that are slandering the Broadduses are getting these letters. Like it makes me more justified that it was the Broadduses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like fuck these people. <laughs> I don't know, man. But anyway, it's still unsolved. And I'm curious to see what the Netflix show, how they're going to like do that. You know? So this is, it's been released or it's not released. I don't think it's released yet. Okay. I think they're like doing the like, Hey, this is coming. Oh, uh, I see. You know, like the trailers. I, I don't think I've seen the trailer. I'd be interesting in watching that too. I don't know. Yeah, they portray it. Yeah, because yeah, what liberties they take with it. Now that we kind of know, I mean, I, I could see them making like a dramatic series out of it, but I want to know how they end it. You know, that's what I'm curious about is we kind of know the story, but do they just like, how do they end it? What's their, what's Netflix's or the writers going to spin on it? You know, because they always have to put some kind of spin. I'm just curious. I don't know. But I thought it was kind of relevant just because there is a show coming out that we can get familiar with it and then see it unfold. Yeah, Absolutely. 
I'm surprised uh, they haven't done any sort of testing. Yeah, the C. Maybe it says, it says there was. It, it of, says the police did that. There was no, no DNA on it, no fingerprints, uh, nothing. Yeah, but I mean, you can like. So you can do it with printer. You can track it with a printer. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? Like, you can't get a maybe search warrant for everybody's house on the block to check printers. Maybe someone's using a typewriter. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, because people now that would be more creepy. You know, yeah. like, people don't know that printers. When you print something out on a printer, it leaves a watermark that's almost like invisible. Yeah. And traceable. It tra- it's, yeah, it, tra- it traces back to the printer used, right? So it puts like a serial number. Yeah. Some kind of something that ties it back. And they do that for this type of reason. Yeah. So they can, you know, track people. Who do yeah. That. So they can find out, if, you know, if ballads were fake or not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that's, that's all we got. Um, I mean, that's, that's, I had another one too, but we we're, we're kind of pushing on time because that one kind of took a while. I think, yeah, in a few weeks, maybe we'll do a, a, a part two true crime. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I like the stories. Like, I like going yeah. through it, and I feel like this was like a good like intro into it because it'll give us opportunity to like, okay, we gotta we gotta step it up. We gotta find better ones. Yeah. No, we can't. I can't. I don't know. I can't be shit face. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I hear your guys' stories, I'm like, man, maybe I went a little overboard. <laughs> <laughs> Just normal murders. How lame. <laughs> Mine didn't have murder. <laughs> Mine was just about a stalker. But anyway, I mean, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming back on, Mark. Uh always good to have you here. So Yeah. I, I like every host every guest that we've had on. Yeah, we've had a, a good uh collection of guests. Yeah, that was I don't know. Hopefully uh people like some of the true crime stuff because I mean I don't we try and do what we like, but sometimes we try to cater to people. Yeah. Also, if you're listening out there and you have some true crime that you want us to take a look at, do think we need to take a look send at? Send us suggestions. That please. would be awesome. Yeah. Send us suggestions on Facebook. Send us suggestions on Instagram, TikTok. Send us a video of you doing the suggestion. I don't give a shit. Twitter. We're on Twitter. Yeah. I'm not super active on any of this, but we will cover it. We will see it and we will cover it and do some research and tell the jacked up story that you want us to tell. So, yeah, especially like the ones that we might not hear about or know about, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's kind of what, yeah, that'd be great to hear this. We'll Please. come up with our own theory. <laughs> yeah. Please. It was the mailman. It was the, it mailman. Was the mailman. Come on, you went postal. So, yeah, hit us up. Please tell us your stories. Tell us what you want us to cover. We will definitely cover it. I would say thank you, Mark. Thank you, Eric. Everybody have a good day.